message is God's ways are not our ways. And for your faithfulness being here tonight, if you'll open your heart, um, the Lord can give you victory over a potential problem in your life. And that problem can occur when you don't fully understand what the Lord is up to. And in our study through the little book of Habakkuk, we're going to see tonight, in our study through Habakkuk, tonight we're in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 2, and those verses will illustrate to us tonight that God's ways are not our ways. And if you don't understand and appreciate that, you might possibly worry incessantly, or worse than that, doubt God. But when you understand this simple truth that we're going to be reminded of in the book of Habakkuk, it can, it can help eliminate sleepless nights and unnecessary uh, worry because you have enough on your plate already. And we tend to worry more as believers when we don't understand what God is up to or when God doesn't make sense to us. And this lesson is to help us understand God. Now before we get into Habakkuk, I want to first focus on a verse from Isaiah that kind of sums up what we're going to be experiencing in Habakkuk. In Isaiah, another prophet, chapter 55, verse number 8, it says this, speaking of the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And that is a profound statement that acknowledges the, that there's a difference between us and God where he says explicitly, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And when you understand that, and when you're mature enough to appreciate that, when you go through a trial where perhaps God doesn't make sense to you, understanding this will flatten out the bumps in the road. Now let's go back and think about Habakkuk now. Where have we come from? Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet. And if you remember, he was troubled by the, what was going on in his country, Israel. I mean, Israel had basically turned against God, and when you do that, you get carnal and worldly, and things get ugly. And he's questioning God as to, Lord, how long are you going to let this go on? So he knows that God is a God of righteousness and a God of righteous judgment, and because this has been going on for a while, he turns to God and says, how long are you going to let this go on? This is what he said. This is review right now. <clears throat> Back in chapter 1, we've already covered this, but verse, verses 2 and 3, Habakkuk says to God, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. 
and there are that rise up strife and contention. He is describing the horrible situation before him, and he's questioning God. And if you'll remember, we said one of the lessons from this important little book is the fact that, yes, yeah, it's okay to question God when you have the right spirit. But when you're tempting God or you're angry with, with God or, and you're doubting God, now that's a different story. But what he's doing now is, is legitimate, his questioning of God. He's doing it with the right spirit. He is simply confused. So he asked God, God, how, how long are you going to let this go on in our country? This is grieving me. So God responds that he's going to use the wicked Chaldeans to punish Israel for their sins. Now catch what I said. God's going to use the wicked Chaldeans, who were the pagans, who are more wicked than Israel, though to punish Israel. Verse number 6, here's the Lord. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. The Lord answers him. He said, I, I hear you. I hear you, Habakkuk. And I am going to do something about it. And I'm going to use the Chaldeans to chasten the people of Israel. And Habakkuk, by his human reasoning, doesn't get it. Doesn't make sense to him at all. Yes, Israel is wicked. But the Chaldeans are far more wicked but when they are used by you, Lord, to chasten these folks, that means they are going to have victory over Israel. They're going to enjoy the spoils. They're going to enjoy the victory. And they are worse than Israel. He has a legitimate concern for what God has told him. So, verse number 13. Habakkuk doesn't understand how God can bless the Chaldeans by giving them victory over Israel. So he says, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. This is Habakkuk talking to God. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? In other words, he said, Look, Israel is more righteous than them, but you're going to use them to have victory over Israel. God's not making sense to him. By his reasoning and by his logic, he is perplexed. And who of us in this room haven't been there before or maybe right now? You love God. You're, you're saved. You're, you're going to heaven. You, you've tried your best to live for God. None of us have been perfect, but I mean, hey, we're in church tonight, but there's something going on in your life right now. And you know God is in charge, but it, it, you're not getting it. It, it. It's not making sense. So when Habakkuk tells the Lord, Lord, this doesn't seem right to me. Here's Habakkuk's answer. I'm not, excuse me, here's the Lord's answer to Habakkuk. 
We're in chapter 2. Last week we looked at verse number 1. Now tonight we're going to continue verses 2 through 5. So he's questioning the Lord, and the Lord answers. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. By the way, we're going to explain each one of these phrases because you just read it and you say, well, what does that mean? So, and the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Then in verse number 4, the Lord goes on to say, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And then lastly, in verse number 5, he goes on to say, Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. God is telling Habakkuk here that yes, I'm going to use the Chaldean. I'm just, this is a summary of what we just read. He is telling Habakkuk, yeah, you heard me right. I'm going to use the Chaldeans to punish Israel. But what you don't know, Habakkuk, is the Chaldeans are going to get their comeuppance. Don't worry about that. You don't know the whole story. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. That's what he just told him. Habakkuk, you don't know everything. You don't know the timing. Let's, let's go back and look at those um, verses 2 through 5 with a little more detail. <clears throat> Habakkuk said that the Lord answered him and told him to write down his answer so that others can read it and tell others. That's what it means when he says in verse number 2, okay, Lord, I don't get it. It doesn't seem right to me that you're going to use the Chaldeans who are really wicked to judge your children who are wicked, but they're not that bad. So the Lord says, write this down. Get out a pencil and paper. What I'm about to tell you, write this vision down, make it plain that they may run that readeth it, so that others can tell others about this vision. And it was written down, and over 2,000 years later, we're reading. And then, verse number 3, the Lord tells Habakkuk to be patient, because he's going to do what he just said he's going to do, but on his time schedule. Verse number 3, he says to Habakkuk, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end of it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, 
wait for it. Because it will surely come. In other words, Habakkuk, you may not understand, but I do things my way. I mean, he is God. And with my timing. Now, again, the lesson learned is Habakkuk doesn't know all that. God's having to remind him of that. And God would have to remind you and me sometimes, you know, when we're wondering, okay, God, when's it going to happen? When are you going to change my spouse? When are you going to change my children? When are you going to answer this particular prayer? And I think the Lord would say the same. I mean, that's the lesson we learn here. The Lord has his timing. And then in verse number 4, the Lord told Habakkuk, the Chaldeans, yes, are a wicked and proud people as opposed to those who are just and live by faith. He's he says, I get it, Habakkuk. I know they're bad. Behold, his soul... Sh uh, which is lifted up. Some, think, some Bible scholars think that he is talking about Nebuchadnezzar, the leader of the Chaldeans here. But whatever the case, he's acknowledging the wickedness. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. He said, I, they're wicked people. I, I get it, Habakkuk. They're, they're a proud, wicked people. My people are supposed to live by faith. And they're going to get theirs because they are a proud people. They don't listen to me. They don't live for me. They don't believe in me. <clears throat> and then in verse number 5, the Lord let Habakkuk know that he was quite aware of the Chaldeans and their sinfulness. So he said, you know, it's like, what are we going to tell God? You know, what are we going to tell God that he doesn't know? But, but Habakkuk's been, you know, his question was, really? You're going to use them to judge us? We need to be judged, but couldn't, couldn't it be, I don't know, I'm surmising, couldn't you use hailstones? Uh, couldn't you use a flood? Uh, couldn't you use a drought? But you're going to use the enemies of God, and you're going to give them an apparent victory? And so Habakkuk is kind of assuming that maybe God doesn't know how bad the Chaldeans are. Well, the Lord explains that He certainly does know. Verse number 5, Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, there's nothing good about wine in the Bible, nothing good at all. And Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or the whole Chaldeans, they are given to wine. He is proud, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations and heapeth unto him all people. See, Habakkuk? I get it. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly who I'm dealing with. He describes them as being drunk, as being proud, as being overly ambitious, uh, carnally ambitious and with a, with a carnal appetite. So, so that's it. Habakkuk probably represents our state of mind sometimes. We gave our hearts to the Lord. We believe in Him. We don't doubt that for one second, but sometimes we doubt what He's up to. And and, and there's a lesson here. 
A simple lesson that can eliminate so much unnecessary fretting and worry. I mean, just, just the obvious things. I, I jotted down some obvious things from, from the lesson tonight. We can't see everything God sees. And that's a given, right? Now just, just stop and think about it. When you're assessing a situation and it's not making sense and maybe you're getting a little frustrated with, with the Lord or frustrated with the situation, you know, we need to be reminded we can't see everything God sees. And we can't know everything God knows. I mean, that's a given, but I think we need to be reminded of that when we start doubting God. It's like, God, we obviously see things you don't see. And we obviously know some things you don't know. Really? That, that's an impossibility. Oh, that's right. I, I guess I am sounding a little bit foolish here. We don't think about things the way God does. He's... I could put it as an understatement. He's a little smarter than we are. And we tend to be very impatient. We tend to be very impatient. So we need to understand that sometimes God, because of what I just mentioned, sometimes God is not going to make sense to us. But he says the just will live by their faith. So we can, by faith, trust him always, even when some things don't make sense. So we need to be constrained. We don't need to just fly off the handle and take matters into our own hands. We need to stay confident in God. And we need to stay committed. And that's a very simple truth that either we need to learn tonight or, or to be reminded of. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse, we looked at verse 8, let's include verse 9 in there. And again, just to accept this and, and to trust God will go a long way towards eliminating anxiety and, and worry and, and questioning God. For my thoughts, the Lord says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. How are they different? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So no wonder in this passage tonight, when the Lord refers to the Chaldeans as being proud, He says the just shall live by their faith. Okay? I don't know as much as you. I don't think like you. I, I can't do what you do. Doesn't make sense to me from my vantage point, but I don't have your vantage point, but I am going to trust you. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. A few quotes and we're done. Just reemphasizing what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 say. God doesn't, be reminded, God doesn't think the way we do. 
we get into a lot of trouble, this writer says, when we expect that he should, he should think as we do. Really, isn't it true we should be grateful that he doesn't think as we do? Because we are made in the image of God, we can relate to God's thoughts, but we cannot master them. God doesn't think the way we do. Secondly, God doesn't act the way we do. He does things His way. And His ways are often not our ways. This writer says we get into a lot of trouble when we expect that God should act the way we do. And lastly, the question is asked there in verse number 9, how far is the distance between God's thoughts and ours? How far is the distance between His ways and ours? The distance is as great as the heavens or higher than the earth. So, I come to the pulpit tonight to work, to, to help you. You got enough on your plate already. You don't, you don't need to worry about things that God's in control of. We, we can't know what He knows. We can't act like He acts. We, we can't think as He thinks. And that, that should be comforting tonight. Because as it was with Habakkuk, when Habakkuk was thrown, he said, that don't make sense to me. That, Lord, I'm sorry, that just does, I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. And the Lord is loving enough to tell him, Habakkuk, listen, I hear where you're coming from. I am fully aware of the wickedness of those people. The, the, the drunkenness, the, the pride, the arrogance. I'm going to take care of them. And I imagine Habakkuk say, oh, oh, how foolish of me. Yeah, I, I guess you would know more than me. And I'm sorry. <laughs> never mind. That's what I would say, Lord. You know, never mind. Forgot I even brought it up. I don't know what I was thinking. Got a little too big for my britches. Uh, God is real. His Word is so overwhelmingly amazing. It just speaks to the reality of a true God that uh, is in control. And it'll cause us to avoid a lot of unnecessary worry and anxiety with the simple thought that God's ways are not our ways. And that's best. That's good. If you're confused with what's going on in your life tonight, take great comfort in knowing he's got it figured out. And he is, he's, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to God, but he's on it. He's on it. Just let him, let him work. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.